Learn to Mother, the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode two of Maiden to Mother. We're talking to Georgia today. Welcome, Georgia. How are you going? Hello. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, that's good. Can you tell everyone a bit about yourself, please? Well, I am Georgia. I live on the Gold Coast with my husband, Luke, and our nine-month-old son, Remy. And can you start at the very beginning, just take us right back to um, conception. Did you plan to conceive with Remy? Not entirely. Um, I was tracking my period through <laughs> float um, and that obviously gives you like the ovulation dates and stuff. Um, yeah. But we just kind of started to not be as safe. Um, <laughs> and then once we sort of made that call, I think I fell pregnant like within maybe one to two months. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But I was tracking for like maybe nearly a year just to try and see when my period was coming and stuff. So I knew that it was fairly accurate, but I didn't really look at the ovulation side of it too often. And how did you know you were pregnant? Um, I was super tired. I was at work and I was just like tired all the time, no matter how much coffee I'd had. Yeah. Did you have an inkling? Um, Sort of, yeah. It was more so like I'm so tired and there's no reason for it. Yeah, I definitely know that feeling, 100%. Yeah, and then I knew, like, obviously we weren't being safe and it was a possible like possibility that I'd be pregnant. So took a test in December 2020 and... the at, Yes, that at, was actually at my house. Yes, well, at first <laughs> I thought, well, I know I took one before that, so I took one at home and then I thought it didn't work because I, like, accidentally peed on the like results window by accident (laughs) (laughs) just got it everywhere (laughs) and then it came up negative and then I just put in the bin and then I came back to it a couple hours later and it had like a positive line I was like oh oh no (laughs) so I took a (laughs) I took a I think I took the second one at your house yeah um and then you were in denial girl yeah and then a third one and then (laughs) And you're like, oh, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're pregnant, girl. <laughs> so it took two to four, uh, four tests in total. Yeah. And obviously I was pregnant. <laughs> um, and so tell us all about your pregnancy. How was it? Pregnancy was pretty cruisy. Like I didn't have any morning sickness, luckily. Um, I had a lot of food aversions and my sense of smell was ridiculous. Like... I think we cleaned out our fridge about four times when I was pregnant. <laughs> and Luke was always like, it doesn't smell. I'm like, yes, it does. It smells so gross. How can you not smell this? Um, yeah, just so tired. Um, what else? That's really it. Like I was pretty well off my whole pregnancy. Like I didn't really have any bad bad luck at all. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. And what type of care did you choose for your pregnancy? Did you have any, um, like, care, external care, or um, what hospital did you choose to birth through? So we just did um, shared care through my GP and Gold Coast Uni Hospital on the Gold Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was mainly, I think it was mainly through my GP a lot of the time and then sort of come towards the end of the second trimester I had a lot of midwife appointments and then it was kind of like fortnightly and then weekly with my GP um and it, it was good I think a lot of the midwife appointments that I did have seemed to be useless in a sense yeah like I felt like I could just get a lot of the information myself and a lot of the information that I did get from them I kind of already knew just from doing a lot of research on my own Mm, and so you obviously went to the hospital for those appointments at um, Gold Coast Uni? No. So they were actually all scattered around the community, um, I think, just to take pressure off the hospital itself. So they would yeah. scatter them. I think I had a couple over at, like, um, 
it's called the Hot Tomato House in Southport. And then I had a couple um, at Southport and then I think like in Rabina somewhere and then at the hospital towards the end. Oh, yeah. And so when you found out you were pregnant, did you just go to your GP and then your GP sent you like a hospital referral and that's how you sort of fell into that care? Yeah. So I went and saw him first and then obviously got like the blood test done just to confirm everything. And then he sent me a referral to get a scan done. Um, And then that scan obviously confirmed how long I was and whatnot. And then he did all the paperwork that need to be done to be done to the hospital. And then I just got letters in the mail from them with all of my pre-done appointments that would be with midwives. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, and did you do anything to prepare yourself for birth during your pregnancy? Yeah, so we did a hypnobirthing course with um, Shari from Belly to Birth. Yes, I mentioned that course in uh, my episode, in episode one, actually. Um, and how did you find that hypnobirthing course? It was really good. It was, um, so four sessions, uh, I think it was across four weeks. So one session per week over nighttime. And then it was, yeah, six till nine, I'm pretty sure six, six to 9 PM. Um, so it was like a lot of information at once, but you also got a lot of kind of take home information as well, which was good that you could refer back to. Mm. Yeah. And did you know much about birth before that course? Yeah, I was pretty clued on cause I didn't do that course until I was probably about Thirty-two weeks, maybe, maybe thirty yeah. weeks. So I was pretty far along before I even started to do the course. Um, so I'd done a lot of research and YouTube watching and all that kind of stuff before I even saw Shari. And what about for Luke? He definitely got more out of the course than not more, but like he, the course definitely helped him a lot more than it yeah. helped me in a sense. Yeah, I feel like it really, really opens their eyes, doesn't it? Yeah, and even that um, that movie that we went and saw, I don't know what it's called uh, now. Um, time. Birth time. Oh, birth yes, time. birth time. Yes. Yeah. Were you pregnant then when we saw that? I think I was really, really early. I, th- I was probably about seven weeks pregnant when we went and seen that movie. Yeah. So we went and saw that, obviously, with the movies together and then um, – yeah, even that, Luke was like, what the heck? Like, I didn't realise that that happened. And that kind of, like, not scared him, but helped him understand, holy crap, birth <laughs> is real. <laughs> it's not just something that happens in the movies. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was, like, a good, that was a good starter. And then um, he would, like, sit down and watch a couple YouTube videos with me when I would like be watching stuff. He kind of tune in and then be like, "Oh, what's that?" Um, but yeah, definitely Shari's course was the pinnacle of yeah. birth preparation for us. Yeah, and I should mention for um, anyone listening, Birth Time is a really great Australian documentary, and I'll list the details in the show notes. Yeah, um, it was awesome. It was such a good yeah, it was movie. really good, wasn't it? Or documentary, I should say. Document. Yeah. Um, so. Take us back to the first signs of labour for you. What happened? Tell us tell us your birth story from the very, very beginning. I feel like, yeah, I didn't really have any signs of labour because I was not really, I was sort of induced. So I don't know about anywhere else, but definitely at Gold Coast Uni Hospital, they really hammer you with reduced movements. So they're really into you about if you sense any kind of like reduced movements or make sure you come in. Make sure you get checked, get some peace of mind, like you'll never be judged. We encourage you to come in, blah, blah, blah. So I did that. <laughs> I did that uh, three times in total. Um, and then, but the one thing that I, that I don't tell you is that if you present three or more times, they really, really, really monitor you. Um, and because I presented my, for my third time when I was 38 and six, I think, um, they were like, well, your baby's pretty much cooked, so we would like to induce you right here, right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, so after doing Shari's course, I was all along, I was really against being induced. I was really about going to labour naturally and having it, having nature take its course, basically. Um, so when they confronted me and said, look, your baby's fully cooked, we're really concerned about his movements, let's get him out. I was kind of like, um, no, <laughs> please. 
please don't touch me. Mm. Um, so why were you presenting with reduced movements? Obviously, you weren't feeling him move as much for, say, yeah. how long before you would go in? Oh, probably I think I presented on that third time at, like, 4 p.m. Yeah. So I'd spent that day kind of going, mm, the movements seem off. Like, he's usually a really, really active baby. Um, so obviously you don't take any chances in leaving it and like being mm. that far along, you don't want to leave it any longer than a day if you're not having movements like you usually do. Um, so I was there at about 4 PM. And yeah. So what happened? Did they just put you on the monitors to yeah, so you go in, make sure you get, everything's okay? Yeah. You go in, you get kind of triaged and they put you in a bed with like a curtain and they put the, um, the Doppler thing on you with like the belly band. Yeah. I think I was monitored for maybe an hour and a half. I think usually it's about 45 minutes I do it for minimum. Um, mm -hmm. And his, his movements look great on the monitor. Like they were really consistent. Um, his heart rate was going up and down as it should be. And then they had the head doctor come in um, that was on shift that night. On the third time you went? Yeah, the third time, yeah. 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 So they had the head doctor come to me and say, look, you're nearly 39 weeks, um, your baby is ready to come out whenever you are. Um, we would like to get him out tonight if you're okay with that. Mm -hmm. So we discussed kind of induction um, avenues and I knew that I didn't want to be induced. So I politely declined all of yeah. those avenues and I basically had to get um, not therapy but, like, I had to really – agree to not be induced for them to release me um so because they were kind of pressuring me in a sense i opted for a stretch and sweep yeah just to kind of not get them off my back but i was in like as any pregnant woman knows like 38 weeks you like get this child out of me mm. <laughs> but like i didn't want to be induced with pitocin or any of that. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll have a stretch and sweep. That way we can kind of even see if I'm dilated at all, see how effaced I am. Um, so I think on that night I was 38 and 6 and I was about 1 to 2 centimetres dilated and about 80% effaced already. Yeah. So things are starting already. Yeah, things were going. Like I've been having Braxton Hicks for probably a week or two prior to this anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so I had the stretch and sweep at about 7 p.m. And then they finally released me and they were like, if you go home and have any contractions, come back. And I was like, okay, cool. So I got home and I lost my mucus plug probably a couple of hours later. There was no, um, no contractions at all. Went to bed and I kind of woke up during the night with mild like period pain. And I was like, oh, something's happening. Okay, we're on. <laughs> um, so, like, come midnight, I was like, no, I'm up. I'm on my ball. I'm bouncing around. I'm going to get this baby out. Um, and then the next morning, so I was up at midnight on the Monday, um, didn't sleep that night, and then come about 8 a.m., I think, Contractions were still there. They were pretty far apart. They were nowhere near, like, ready to go to the hospital. Mm. But because they said to me, if you have contractions, come back in. Um, so we went to the hospital about 9 a.m. and got there. Everything stopped, of course. Yeah, always the um, way. Did they yeah. ask you to come back in because you had presented with the reduced movements? So they wanted to check you if labour yeah. started? Yeah, they wanted to kind of monitor me um, because of the reduced movements and how many times I had presented to them. So they said, if a stretch and sweep is successful and you have contractions, come in because we want to check you out basically and make sure yep. that like everything is going okay. Um, yep. Keeping in mind that it's a public hospital and midwives change shift every 12 hours. So mm. what one midwife says, the next one might not agree with. Yeah. So when I got there, um, different midwife of course got triaged and they were like yeah look you're not in labor um the offer still stands for you to be induced if you want to be induced um we can break your waters right now and I was like no no no, I'm not ready like I'll go home and see if I can bring labor back on myself mm -hmm. um so by the time that 
the doctor saw me again at that being induced and we got released. It was probably nearly midday by this point. Um, went home and had a sleep and then spent the whole afternoon trying to get labour started on the ball, yeah. went for a walk, did the curb walking, um, did all, like, the hypnobirthing stuff, the, like, pressure points. Um, yeah, just a little, like, ball work really. And then went to bed and, again, midnight contractions started. Um, they were a bit more intense this time though. So I, I stayed in our room, put the candles on and just kind of stayed in, like, a zen state and just bouncing the ball and just kind of saw the contractions through as they came. Um, and then as it neared early morning, they were getting really intense. They were still, like, not close enough to go to the hospital, and I, I knew that if I went to hospital for a third time in, like, two days, they would be like, mm. nope, you're not leaving. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, no, I'm staying at home as long as I can. Um, and again, was Luke awake with you? Um. Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> I said to him, no, 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 you sleep, it's all good. Um, and then once it started to get really painful, I got in the bath at home um, and he was, like, pouring water on me and, like, we lit the candles and stuff and it was really nice, really relaxing. But it was still, like, really painful. Yeah. I remember laying in the bath and then a contraction would come and I'd be like, ooh, and I'd have to, like, sit up. Like, I've just been resurrected. <laughs> And that um, went on for like a couple hours. Oh, so what time? So, yep, you were labouring at home and then what time did you go to the hospital? Was it that same day? So by this point it was Wednesday. So I got my stretch and sleep on Monday night, had no sleep Monday night into Tuesday, hospital on Tuesday, got sent home, had a nap in the afternoon, went to bed Tuesday night and now it's Wednesday morning. Mm, so I've been labouring all yeah, I've been labouring all Wednesday morning. Um, and then my mum came down at about 6 a.m. to kind of just be there. Um, so Luke could kind of be with me and mum could just kind of do the water and do the TENS machine and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I stupidly said, Mum, can you go get me can you go and get me an acai bowl? I'm really hungry. <laughs> she got brought it back and I was like, nope. No, this is too intense. I can't eat. <laughs> I bet you Luke would have polished it off, though. We took it to the hospital and he ate it in, in the <laughs> tree room. <laughs> of course. Wouldn't it be melted by then? Oh, no. It was winter. It was still good. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so mum came down about 6am and then it was probably about maybe 8 o'clock. I was in the shower, like just having a shower, just to have a shower. And I was like, oh, I had this, like, gut feeling that I just needed to go to the hospital. I was mm. like, no, nah, let's just go. Like, things are feeling so intense. Let's just get out of here. And I had no idea what time it was. And get in the car and it's freaking peak hour traffic. Oh. <laughs> so what's Absolutely. like a – Absolutely. Yeah. Literally, yeah. So what's a bloody 20-minute drive turns into, like, a half an hour, 40-minute drive. <laughs> and then everyone's starting work, trying to get to the bloody hospital – so things kind of settled down in the car. I was still definitely contracting, but they weren't as close together as they were at home. Yeah. Um, got to the hospital, walked from the hospital, oh, sorry, from the car park to the actual maternity section, um, which was I probably had maybe two or three contractions in that time too. Then I had to wait in the waiting room, get triaged, and then when I was getting triaged, they were like, oh, we don't think you're actually in labour. Like your contractions aren't intense on the monitor. Like they're not as high as what we think they should be to be in active labour. So in triage, because um, I never I never had, I never went to a triage. What happens in triage? Do they put you into a room before you go to like a birth suite or something? Yeah. So, you know, um, you would have been there before when you go into the hospital for any kind of like monitoring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that triage bit is like where you get monitored. Yeah. So what so, do they do? They just they just monitor you. Basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To see where your contractions are at and yeah, check how dilated you are. And stuff. are yeah. yeah. So yeah. so they didn't think that you were that far no. into labor, which could so have I, been disheartening. Exactly. So I I got there after being like friggin' no sleep for two days. Mm. And, 
all that kind of stuff. So they checked me, they, they put the thing on me, the monitor, and they watched my contractions for about, I don't know, half an hour maybe. Um, and they were like, oh, look, we don't think you're really in active labour yet. You're definitely on your way there, but you're not in active labour yet. Um, and so I asked for a check, like a cervical check, and a student midwife came over and did the check. And she said to me that I was about five to six centimetres, mm. which I was surprised by because they were saying to me that I wasn't really in labour yet. Yeah, that's definitely like active labour, I would yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, yeah, five to six centimetres dilated. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, okay, cool, well, wow, like you're halfway there, let's get you into a room. Um, and then got into a room, had a lovely midwife named Jess, and she's like, okay, cool, what's your plan? Like, what do you want to do? And I, like, gave her all of my hypnobirthing, like, plan and stuff. But before before we could kind of, like, get into the thick of it all, Actually, I fucked up here. I need to go back. Oh, yeah. You know, I fucked up. You know, that's okay. Yeah, so I was five centimetres dilated and they wanted to – they wanted to still induce me to get things rolling um, because I thought that my contractions weren't enough to be in proper labour still. Um, so five centimetres dilated, I said to them, look, let's just get my, get my waters broken. Let's just do that. Mm-hmm. And then with that, they were like, well – we want to put you on Pitocin. If we break your waters, we want to be able to control that you're going to be having those contractions that need to be happening to get your baby mm-hmm. to kind of come down and obviously be born. Um, and I was, I said, no, like break my waters, but there's no way I'm going on Pitocin. Mm-hmm. So they kind of bargained with me and they said, okay, cool. We'll give you two hours. We'll break your waters and then give you two hours. If nothing's happened in two hours, you have to go on that trip. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yep, whatever. Like, I'm five centimetres. Like, break my waters and we'll just see. Um, so I went into the birthing suite at about mid, uh, midday. And because I had reduced movements, I couldn't go in the pool or anything. I had to be monitored constantly. Yeah. So what they do is they put, like, a little um, monitor thing on the baby's head. Mm-hmm. And then they stick the one to, to like your leg or whatever, just to make sure it stays. And then you have that basically hanging out of you while you're labouring. I have heard about that. So I don't understand how they attach it to the baby's head for anyone else wondering. They just literally like put their bloody hand up there and stick it on the baby's head. I assume oh. you have to be like <laughs> fully effaced and whatnot. Um, right. I assume. I don't really know. But, yeah, it's not that big. Like it's probably a little like I never saw it, but. I'm assuming it's like a little plastic bit, like a rod that goes on their head. And yep. then the, the cord like hangs out of your vagina <laughs> and then the main brain for the monitor is like stuck to your leg. It's not very big. It's probably about, I don't know, five centimetres big, like long. And then you're still, are you still plugged into a machine? No. So they have like the wireless belly um, like strap thing for you. Yeah. Okay. But, cool. So you could still move move around the room. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't like hooked up to a um, machine or anything. I could still move. Which I yeah. was like, I was like, can I please still move around? Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, we're not going to make you sit in the bed and labour. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I had the belly thing first, but it just kept slipping. Mm-hmm. And I was like, get this fucking thing off me. <laughs> <laughs> so they I can imagine. Too. Oh, it was annoying. So they had to do like the head thing, which I was. Thinking back now, I was like, how the hell did they even do that? Mm. I don't remember it being done, but they did it. They did it. Um, yeah, so waters were broken at 12. Monitor was put on. And then I was in the shower labouring probably for maybe an hour. And then I was just so, so tired. Like I hadn't had any sleep in the last like two days. And I was like, give me the epidural. I just want to have a nap. <laughs> and... I couldn't, I couldn't do my contractions sitting down. I had to stand up, which was making it even harder because I was so tired. I couldn't even hold my own body weight. Mm. Um, so they were like, yep, okay, we'll get, we'll get you the epidural. Like, basically, they were trying to, like, put me off getting it. They're like, oh, we're, we're just still waiting on your bloods to come back. We can't give it to you yet, but we've ordered it, which I don't even know what that means. 
thinking back to it now. <laughs> I think that means they've went and told the anaesthetist to come on over. But, like, do they need your blood work to do an epidural? I think so. I believe so. I, uh, yeah, all my girlfriends who have had an epidural, I believe they've mentioned that, yeah, they need to do bloods first. I'm not but, sure. Yeah, but, well, uh, they, they, took, they took my bloods in triage, actually. They put, like, a, oh, they put a cannula in and took them, like, four goes. <laughs> It was horrible. <laughs> anyway. So, so you're waiting for the epidural? <laughs> waiting for the epidural. Um, I'm still, like, contractions are still intense. They're coming thick and fast. My waters are broken. Like, everything is just going. Happening. Happening, yeah. And I, I'm so, so tired that I literally cannot even handle my contractions. Like, I want to stand up, but I can't. I'm so tired. Mm. Um, so I came over to the bed and started kind of, leaning over the bed a little bit to contract. Um, and then, um, yeah, so I was leaning over the bed, like, standing, and then I got too tired to do that, so I was sort of laying on the bed a little bit. And then I ended up, they ended up bringing the head of the bed upright, and then I was kneeling on the bed, leaning over the head of the bed, um, which at this point I had been given the gas, which was... I think my mum told me a little later on that they turned it off on me, which I didn't even know, <laughs> and I was still sucking in the thing, but they had turned it off. I don't know why they turned it off. I think because I was using it too much. So I was, you meant to, so with the gas, you meant to suck it in as you feel a contraction coming and mm. then have a period without it so you get, like, fresh air, I think. Yeah. But I was just, like, sucking on that thing. Like just it was hammering like, it. Like, like this oxygen. <laughs> So they apparently like, turn it off on her. Yeah. <laughs> Mum said they turned it off. Um, and yeah, so the two hours went by. So I had waters broken at 12 pm, had all this laboring, like contractions happening. And then come 2 pm, they came in to check me. Actually, no, no, no. They, the doctor came to kind of see how I was going. And I, I was 10 centimeters ready to push. Really? Yeah. So. From 12 to 2, I had done the 5 centimetres and ready crazy. to go. Must yeah. have been an intense two hours. Yeah. It, you kind of forget how intense it is, but thinking about it all, like, yeah, it was so intense. Like, I just had – I had no, like, energy. So I don't know if because my body was so out of energy and so relaxed, it helped me dilate. I have no mm -hmm. idea. <laughs> Um, so obviously being 10 centimetres dilated, you weren't able to have the epidural then? No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah, 10 centimetres. And they're like, well, you're ready to push. And I was I was kind of like, thank God, but I was mm. also still so out of it. Like it, it got to a point where the contractions would come and I would deal with them. And then once the contraction had left, I was like, passed out asleep like I wasn't mm. actually asleep but Luke kept describing it as literally me resurrecting like I'd be passed out and then a contraction would come and I'd resurrect deal with it and then pass back out mm, you're and so exhausted yeah and this happened like when I was pushing too so 2pm I was starting to push um, the student midwife that checked me originally came in to see how I was doing and I vividly remember her being like oh, my God, you're pushing. Mm. <laughs> it was like two hours later. <laughs> um, yeah, so because I was so exhausted, I had a really, really hard time um, pushing Remy out. Um, I think in total I pushed for over two hours. Mm -hmm. So I was pushing. He kept crowning and then he kept kind of going back up because I just couldn't hold him in that one position. I couldn't I couldn't push, hold, breathe and then push again. Yeah. It was kind of like one step forward, one step back constantly. Mm. Um, and then after kind of like the two-hour mark, there was a pediatrician in there, a doctor in there. Like they brought all these people in and they were like, we need to give you an episiotomy because there's just no way that you're going to be able to push him out on your own. And I was like, yep, whatever, all good. I don't care. Mm. Um, so they gave me a local anesthetic in my perineum, which I didn't really feel. Um, 
and then there's a they, lot going on down there. Oh, there was a lot. Like, <laughs> I I barely was even with it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I got the local anaesthetic, and then um, they obviously cut me for the episiotomy, and I can't quite remember, but I'm pretty sure I had a few contractions of still trying to push him out, and then I just still I just couldn't get him out. So they put the um the vacuum on him. I don't know what's called medically but yeah the, the vacuum mm-hmm. and he ended up being vacuumed out so once he was vacuum, vacuumed out I actually tore I tore again so I ended up having a third grade tear so like a 3c tear which yep. is not it's not quite to your bum hole but it's at your bum hole mm. so yeah Remy was born at 4 30 so I'd push for nearly two and a half hours tough slog what a weapon tough slog yeah and then like luke to this day just says he he was so excited about remy being born but he was more relieved that it was over for me Mm. like the tough slog of me having no sleep and no energy trying to get this eight pound eight baby out of my vagina that just Mm, wasn't decent size (laughs) that wasn't working Mm. um so, yeah, once he was born, there was literally a doctor in there, a pediatrician. Um, I I remember laying there just being like I couldn't hold him because I was so exhausted. Like mm. they, put him, they put him on my belly and I just I couldn't even gather enough energy to actually physically look at him and hold him, which is like kind of sad thinking about it now. Um, but then Luke got to hold him pretty much straight away. He cut the cord. Um, they went over to the table and – um, did everything and then Luke got to hold him for a little bit and then as Luke was holding him um, they heard that he was breathing quite funny so they took him off Luke and he was like on the little table in the um, birthing room for about half an hour 45 minutes while they were um, I think it's, I think he had stuff in his lungs so they were just trying to get all of that out of his lungs Yeah. Um, and by this point I still hadn't really seen him um, they were they were getting me to sign. So I needed I actually needed surgery for the episiotomy. I needed surgery to um, get it all fixed up because I'd torn as well. So yeah, they couldn't actually just stitch me in the room. So I was trying to sign paperwork to like go into surgery and like Luke's parents actually came into the birth room because they were in the waiting room, um, just waiting for him to be born. Mm. And. <laughs> I'll never forget the first thing that they said when they saw me was, we heard you, we heard you trying to push him. <laughs> I was like, that's not what I want to hear right now. Thanks, Shiz. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> but, yeah, I I went primal, so I'm sure everyone heard me. <laughs> Don't worry, girl, me too. <laughs> it's so normal. Um, so what happened then? Were you, were you taken to surgery straight away? Pretty much, yeah. So they were just waiting for an escort to come up and get me, to take me down to the theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lady that actually did my episiotomy and birthed Remy um, was the one who did my surgery, so that was kind of oh, nice. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, having, like, a bunch of different people doing yeah. stuff. And the pediatrician that was there as well was the one that saw us on the ward. So, it was yeah, it was kind of nice in that sense. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but, yeah, the surgery, I pretty much went straight away, went down to, like, the pre-op bit. Um, they check your name and get you kind of prepared and then you go in they go give you a um epidural basically yeah and then they put you in stirrups and whatnot you can't feel a thing mm. but i remember <laughs> i can still feel the the sensation right now i remember my heel my left heel being like in a weird position and i was like can you please move my heel and they're like <laughs> so <laughs> random they were like, no, you're in a boot. And I was like, oh. I was like I've got to sit here. I've got to lay here, my heels feeling uncomfortable while you stitch my vagina for God knows how long. And it was all I could think about. I'd just, I'd just been pushing a baby out for two and a half hours and I'm so tired. Just consumed about your heel. <laughs> all I can feel is my heel. And sorry, uh, how long How long in, uh, did you stay in hospital uh, um, after that? Um. So... We were in hospital for two days. So he was birthed on Wednesday and we left on Friday afternoon. Nice. Yeah. 
nice and short stay, but any longer Luke might have actually left us because the bed, <laughs> <laughs> the bed was so uncomfortable. The little couch sort of thing that falls out. like caravan bed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that leads us then to your postpartum journey. What was your recovery like, especially after having your third degree tear in surgery? Recovery was hard. Like I could barely walk. I couldn't sit. And then trying to breastfeed or like establish a breastfeeding like milk mm. in this time as well. Like, and Remy had jaundice. So that was another hurdle we had to jump through. He was, um, so when you leave the hospital, the midwife actually comes to your house the next day to check on you, yeah. um, make sure everything's going well, check the baby. Um, and his jaundice levels were quite high. So we had to actually go back to emergency. So we got discharged on Friday and on Saturday afternoon we were back in hospital mm. for Remy's jaundice. So it was just me in there. Luke was in the thick of semifinals football, so he wasn't around much in the first week, um, which is kind of sad, but it's, it is what it is. Um, so Yeah, it was right at the yeah, right of him finishing his career too. Yeah, so that, that, Saturday, going on. that Saturday he was actually in Ipswich midwife is there and she's like, you have to go to hospital. And Luke's like, I've got to go to footy. And I'm like, you just go. It's all good. Mum's here. <laughs> so, like, thank God for my mum. She was awesome during, like, my birth and, like, the first couple of weeks. She was an awesome help. Um, but, yeah, we we're back in hospital that next day. Um, I was bleeding. I couldn't walk. <laughs> I hadn't really, like, I was trying to eat. Because, like, when you're first breastfeeding, you're so hungry and so mm. thirsty. I literally mm. was eating vending machine food. For like 24 hours. It's hard when you go to hospital with them because they don't, like, feed you, but then you can't leave the baby, but there's yeah. no food around. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, and I know all about it with Jimmy's sickness. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just – and, like, we were in the – um, not NICU, but basically NICU. Like, it's not the children's ward, but it's kind of like the NICU, basically. So you can have – visitors you can stay the night but you just can't you can't eat in there mm. so I had to like go out to the vending machine and scoff my face with whatever I could <laughs> and then come back in um and because he had jaundice I was having to feed him every three hours so I was having to so with jaundice they are quite sleepy mm-hmm. so they're not getting enough milk and they're not establishing your supply because they're too sleepy to even feed yeah so for the first two weeks I was having to um, wake him every three hours to feed and then pump after each feed. So that was that was hard as well. Um, after we, so we were in hospital for 24 hours and went home and then obviously our, our journey started. But, for, yeah, for the, for the two weeks I was having to feed and pump every three hours just to kind of get a supply going. So there's definitely a lot going on there, early postpartum. Yeah. I, it, I felt like it was, like, never going to end. Yeah. The first week of, like, you can't walk, can't really sit down to even go to the toilet, like, and that, that first postpartum poo, like, that just gives you anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> and then having, like, the stitches and the tear and everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Were you drinking Mobicol? Is that what it's called? The yeah, Mobicol, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were giving it to me in hospital like three times a day. Oh, good. Yeah. But still I was like nervous. myself nervous. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so that was hard. did you prepare for your postpartum period at all? Well, in the sense of like was I prepared to have an episiotomy? No, mm. <laughs> not at all. Um, I didn't in a million years think that I would be having an episiotomy and needing surgery and not getting that golden hour with my baby. Like I did not, I wasn't prepared for that. Um, But I was prepared in the sense of having all I needed for a baby. Like I had all the clothes, I had all the bedding, all the blankets, all the bibs, all the bloody everything. I I was ready to go. What about for you though? (laughs) No. Like food and care and help support i definitely had a lot of support um my whole family is here so we had a lot of support the whole time really like and we still do um Mm. luke's mum was amazing she is a great cook and she brought us down meals every week 
Um, so that was a, a great help. Like I didn't really do any cooking before I gave birth. I think I cooked like one meal and froze it. I think it's still in the freezer today. <laughs> <laughs> so Cheryl was bringing us down food every week. So I was like, well, I'm going to eat this. I'm not going to eat my frozen food in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, no, like I was, I suppose you can't really prepare yourself for what's to come. Like mm. every baby's different. Like. You can't. Yeah. You don't know if they're going to be sleeping or if they're going to be up every freaking two minutes feeding. Like, mm. I feel like in that sense, you can't prepare yourself for what's to come like that. But mm. all the materialistic things, yep, I was, I was good to go. Yeah. Did you feel emotional? Did you get like the three day blues? I didn't get the three day blues, but I was definitely emotional because. Luke was not around a lot for the first couple of weeks with footy. Like he was mm. training three nights a week. He was playing on the weekend um, and he was retiring. So like I, I felt I felt as though my life had just completely flipped and his life was still kind of tracking along the same. And like that really just blew me up. Like I, obviously it's a hormonal thing as well. Like hormones are just running crazy. But mm. the whole of like. I've got this baby, like, I need to, like, my whole life has changed. But then I just felt like his life hadn't. So that really was hard for us in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. There was a lot going on at that time. Yeah. I mean, Remy came along exactly when he needed to, but a very inconvenient time. (laughs) Very inconvenient time, Remy. And so how did that change your relationship anyway or how did you guys navigate through that period? I think, like, obviously things do change. Like you've got, you've got a bloody baby, like, mm. that is crying all hours a night and Luke really needs his sleep. <laughs> He's the kind of person, <laughs> as are you, that needs the full yeah. eight hours. <laughs> so the no sleep thing really um really did test him i'm fine with no sleep so i didn't really care about that but in terms of like us as a couple yeah definitely like things changed like you just kind of i know resentment kind of creeps in and you just kind of resent them for being able to leave the house for the day and come in like come and go as they need to and come and go come and go as they please but you've got this child like attached to you 24 7 you can't Mm. leave it like you can't you can't put him down and just go okay bye yeah it's definitely a lot to adjust to isn't it being a yeah. mum especially breastfeeding as well yeah like you're the sole nourisher like yeah. you are the one person that is feeding this baby so really everything is on you wherever you go that baby has to go mm. it's definitely a lot to adjust to isn't it mm. and how yeah. was your breastfeeding journey it was good um my milk probably came in on day <coughs> excuse me day maybe four or five properly um, I think because obviously we were in hospital and I wasn't eating that great, it took a little longer to kind of really establish. Um, but yeah, we breastfed for, I'm going to say about five months, definitely four months full time. Yeah. Um, but five months was when it kind of dwindled. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just because Remy was just, He's a big baby, he's a busy baby, so mm. it just kind of got harder and harder to feed him, especially going out in public. Like there was no way of me feeding him in public come four months. Mm. Yes, he, Remy is a big boy. Big, big boy. <laughs> he's the size of a two-year-old at nine months. <laughs> and how's he going now at nine months? He's awesome. He's um he's thriving. He's hitting all his milestones. He's off the charts in his height for his age. Mm-hmm. He's, He's honestly the highlight of our lives. We just love him so dearly. He's awesome. I love him too. He's honestly, the best. How can you not? <laughs> no, no. He's, he's, a, the, he's a very lovable baby. He's the crazy one. Yeah, he's definitely the crazy baby. Um, so now can you go back through, I don't know if you'll remember it, but what were your out-of-pocket expenses for pregnancy and birth? I was thinking about this earlier and I think just mentally telling it, I think it's about probably 1500. So that includes um, all of our scans. Yeah. We've got the NIPT test, like the NIPT test, yeah. which is about 400 bucks alone. Um, 
Yeah, and got- the NIPT test, um, if you could explain it for women who want to know, maybe they're in early pregnancy. So the NIPT test is non-invasive. It's a blood test. Um, you just go that your or your GP will refer you to it. <coughs> Sorry, refer you for it. And it's a test basically to screen for any chromosome abnormalities. Yeah. Um, it can't set, it can't like tick a yes box or tick a no box. It's basically a high chance or low chance, mm-hmm. um, which obviously they can do it from, I believe, 10 really? weeks. Yeah, I think it's about 10 weeks or eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that That's basically. Oh, pardon? No, you go. Oh, um, and that basically, <laughs> if it, the test comes back high chance of any abnormalities, that obviously gives you the opportunity to terminate if you want to um, mm-hmm. or continue with pregnancy knowing what's to come possibly. Um, thankfully, ours all came back with um, low chance of anything. So definitely worth it in my books for peace of mind. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge overthinker, so I'd like to know what's ahead. Yeah, we got the NIPT test too. Yeah. Um, um, and so, sorry, before I cut you off, and then so you were saying how much things cost you? Yeah, so scans, um, NIPT test, um, parking for the appointments. Oh, God, girl, you've gone thorough. Oh, my God, literally. The parking. <laughs> the parking is so expensive at Gold Coast Uni. Oh, the parking costs you more than, like, a bloody dinner date. I know. <laughs> yeah, so parking... <laughs> Scans and the NIPT, NIPT test, I reckon yeah. maybe about $1,500 in total. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Actually, and the course, sorry, and the hypnobirthing course. Yeah, yeah, of which course. I reckon that probably equates to a bit, maybe, maybe a bit more than 1500 if not, hmm. bang on. Yeah. And so what, what, what is – your number one must-have product that you would spend the money on over and over and over again? Oh, the Cubo monitor, yeah. So we originally had a – so when I was pregnant, I was reading all about, like, monitors and there was all these ones about, like, don't get the bloody Wi-Fi ones. They can be hacked and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Anyway, I got the VTech one. It was absolutely fucking dog balls. Yeah. It was so shit. <laughs> that was a shit camera. I borrowed it. Oh, I've still got it's our backup camera, so if we ever go yeah. away, it's like our backup. But fuck me, it is. It's freaking. It's the same price as the Cubo on sale. Mm. So it's like two eighty, and you can't even see his eyes. Like it's just. Yeah, that camera. Not gonna lie, that was the biggest piece of crap I've ever used. Oh, and I think going from the Cubo to the VTEC, I'm like, how is this even in the century? Like, mm. how is this even being sold? <laughs> Yeah, the Cubo yeah. is definitely good. I'm like, I sh- they should be paying us for this. I know. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was definitely, like, up there with my number one for sure. But if you are going to buy the Cubo, buy the floor stand, even though it's currently sold out because I mm. looked at it yesterday. But buy the floor stand. <laughs> good tip. Um, and just a couple more questions. Is there anything over your journey – um, conception, pregnancy, birth that you would have done differently? I probably would have prepared my body a bit better. Um, knowing how my birth went, mm-hmm. I wish I did like the perineum massage and I wish that I did a lot of like stretching and just preparing my body for the marathon. Yeah. Um, I've got really bad hips. So like my hips are very closed that makes sense so like when I was birthing Remy it was so 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 painful Mm. so like we've said for the next next pregnancy next birth I will be doing a lot of a lot of like stretching and massages and like Cairo if I need to and just all of that just to prepare my body for that marathon that is birth yeah absolutely and last question uh, if you could give one piece of advice to any other mummers about to embark on the same journey, what would it be? Rest in early labour. <laughs> rest, sleep. So I don't care so what you do. <laughs> Just rest. Yeah. It's, it's my one downfall. I didn't rest. Yeah. It can be hard to rest when you get, all, you know, getting excited. And I know. I know once that my was me. Broke, I was not going back to sleep. There's no way. 
I feel like it's a little bit different. I feel like yeah. if you're just kind of contracting a little bit at home, nothing's really happening. Just fucking, just go to sleep. Mm, just fucking absolutely. Go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, if do you have anything to add? Um, another thing, probably advice is everyone, every man and their dog is going to give you advice on how birth should go, how pregnancy should go, what you should feed your child, what products to use. Just it's hard to kind of not take it on board and make it and make it like overwhelm you. But at the end of the day, you know you, you know what you want. You just do you. Absolutely. Don't worry about everyone else. Whatever whatever else is saying, they can just go and get stuffed. One hundred percent agree with that. One thing I've noticed is that all of my friends, we all parent and mother so so differently, but we yeah. all have beautiful, healthy babies. Exactly. And I feel like not putting any hate on anyone, but the older generation, like grandparents, so like my grandparents, (laughs) like that age, they have a lot of unsolicited advice and it's very outdated. Yeah. They love it, eh? Every time I go to a shop, I get stopped by always by a couple of old ladies trying to get all up in um, Jimmy's face. 100%. Oh, one more thing. Don't let anyone touch your baby. Yeah. Fuck off. Because they will. Oh, damn, they will. 100% they will. They'll try and kiss your baby, even if it's two days old. Yes, absolutely. People, Women cannot help themselves. It's in our genetic makeup too. It's like a reflex almost. 100%. So, yeah, I always had to fight to um, get people to not kiss Jimmy for sure. And I feel like people just don't really understand why that's being said. Especially in a global pandemic. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even more so. <laughs> All righty. Well, we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much, Georgia, for coming on. It was awesome to get to know you, even though you're my best friend, but it was <laughs> for everyone else to get to know you and share Thank your you journey. Thank you for having me. It was fun. We can do it again when baby number two happens. Absolutely. Not anytime soon. No. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs and you're doing an amazing job. Thank you.